Hello, and welcome to Master My Garden podcast, the podcast that helps you master your own garden, with useful tips, advice, and know-how as you go on the way and journey of mastering your own garden. I'm your host, John Jones, and it's a pleasure to be with you here today. So let's get stuck in to this week's episode. How's it going everybody? Welcome to episode number 20 of Master My Garden Podcast. In this week's episode we're joined by Denise Dunn. Denise owns the Herb Garden in the Nall County Dublin and the Herb Garden are fully certified organic herb nursery. So they sell herb seeds, some herb plants, fresh herbs and, and lots of other bits and pieces but Denise herself is probably the go-to person for anything to do with herbs in Ireland. She has a vast knowledge of both culinary and medicinal as well as she's big into foraging and all that sort of things. So she's, as I said, the go-to person for herbs in Ireland. Now, this is a one episode one of what will be two episodes back to back, one on culinary herbs, which is this week, and medicinal herbs next week. Now herbs, there's so many different varieties of it. So what we'll be doing is kind of an overview and maybe talking about the, the main go-to varieties in each of those two categories. But this week's one is on culinary herbs. Really looking forward to it. So let's get stuck in to this week's episode. Okay, so Denise, you're very welcome to what will be episode number 20 and episode number 21 of Master My Garden podcast. It's going to be a two-part and we're going to cover culinary herbs and medicinal herbs. So firstly, you're very, very welcome to Master My Garden podcast. Thanks, John. Delighted to be here. You are pretty much uh, the go-to person in, in the country on herbs, and it's quite a complex area. So I suppose by way of starting, maybe you might just tell us a little bit about how you got into gardening in the first place and then how you sort of went down the avenue of herbs and what has brought you to where you are today with the, the herb garden. Okay, John, I suppose it's kind of um, a very long and roundabout route. Um, I grew up in Santry. My mum and dad, they, they picked their garden, their house and uh, from the plans because it was the one with the longest garden. So it was a suburban area. But I think the garden was about an eighth of an acre. And um, I often joke that they were kind of hipsters before their time because they just transformed it into, you know, from like builders rubble site basically now I wasn't around back then but I've seen the photos and uh, you know they just really turned it into the most amazing garden so like right down the end there was the orchard there were hens and bees the beehive my dad was a beekeeper and then there were soft fruit and they grew all their own vegetables and the usual potatoes and cabbage but um, they, had, they had a little greenhouse that they acquired after a few years and so they grew a lot of more exotic things like I grew up now eating purple sprout and broccoli and kohlrabi and then from the greenhouse they grew peppers and aubergines and you know a lot of um, a lot of uh, vegetables that weren't and fruits that weren't really around you know back then that was kind of in the, the well the 70s kind of around then uh, the 70s and 80s I grew up there but um, so I suppose I was never that. Yeah, so after in front of the um, vegetable garden then there was a little herb garden and uh, then kind of nearer to the house was the lawn and, and some nice herbaceous my dad actually made a hill in the garden because he didn't want it just to look flat so all the kids used to love coming in to roll down the hill <laughs> but the herb yeah. garden was always my favourite little area dad was a stonemason so he had made it a kind of crazy paving paths and then he had these little 
circular bed surrounded by crazy paving and kind of joined together by stepping stones. So I used to love going out just to pick, you know, pick time for the stuffing or chives or whatever else. And uh, then I suppose they gave us all our own little garden and patch to when we were kids. And I don't remember a huge amount about it, but I do know mine had a cherry blossom tree in it. And I remember surrounding it with stones and growing tulips. And um, one year on on Mother's Day, I went out early and I cut all my tulips down and brought them in for my mom. And uh, she she wasn't as overjoyed as I thought she'd be. <laughs> but, you know, it transpires. They really thought it's much better to leave the flowers in the garden where you'll get more enjoyment from them than taking them in to the house where they're going to die after a few days. But um, so I was more. I wasn't. I wasn't a great keen gardener, to be honest with you. But I did love food and cooking. So I think okay. how I kind of started the real interest in herbs started. I was around twelve, I'd say maybe twelve or thirteen, and a lovely friend of my mom's gave her a present of this book called the Herb Book, and I just started looking through it, and I was fascinated by it because it 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 gave recipes which just looked most beautiful, and but it also gave kind of cosmetic uses and medicinal uses and just even photographs and illustrations. I was big into drawing and art, some lovely illustrations. So like when I saw an illustration of a, a plant like bergamot, you know, that beautiful monarda and I was kind of, wow, I didn't think things like this would grow in Ireland. But um, So I, I kind of started experimenting then putting maybe chives or tarragon or into my scrambled eggs or um, making a chamomile rinse for my hair. And that's kind of what got me interested. And actually... Um, you know, it's strange the way things go, but that lovely lady, she actually, she died when she was quite young. She was only 40, a good number of years ago, and I have her own copy of, of that um, of that actual book. But I think that's really what got me interested. But um, after that then, well, after school, and I got a, did a bit of college, and I was working in an office job for a couple of years in Dublin City Centre. And uh, then I went off to Australia for five years. So even when I was just living in um, apartments with only a balcony, I always did, I, you know, kind of within the first week or so of moving in, it would be off to find a garden centre and just buy some potted herbs because I just, for I loved cooking, so, you know, they were just fresh herbs were essential. So um, I guess that, that was the extent of it until I came back from Australia in um, early, very late uh, winter of 1990. And my little cottage here in Nall, I kind of came across it just by chance in January 91. It was completely derelict and it was on a very, very wild acre. But I just fell in love with the situation. And I hope, John, when things, you know, improve, that you will be able to come out maybe and visit us at some stage. Because a lot of people, when they come here, they just say it's a little piece of heaven very very wild but um absolutely beautiful and as i'm finding out the the native wild plants you know they really are my favorite plants of all and they are the most useful so it's the it's the from the herb perspective it's um the love of cooking that has kind of brought you into the into the herb route yeah. as opposed yeah. to going down the the ornamental gardening route yeah well no i have to say i did i loved flowers as well but no the herbs were kind of number one so as soon as i moved into the cottage it took about a year to to make it habitable and the first thing I did was dig a little patch um, outside and, and got my few herbs down they were the priority and uh, then I did I did I loved herbaceous plants as well and actually you know I had a I had a bed in front of the house and I, I 
and you see this in Colours of the Rainbow. I was one of those kids, actually, I still do, with my watercolours and my watercolour pencils. I arranged them in that rainbow colour. And so I, I selected plants and I grew them. I thought this was just the most wonderful thing I was after coming up with. So I had all the hot colours in the middle and then going down to the cool colours each end. And, you know, I hadn't heard of Gertrude Jekyll. <laughs> That's the truth of it. So I started using, I guess, I kind of started, when I started gardening then, um, I, I, you know, I, I started kind of using colour combinations and nearly using the garden as a bit of a palette. So I was very, you know, self-taught. I used to, when I was working in offices, I was on flexi time and I, I was based in Abbey Street in Dublin and I used to go into Eason's. I used to get into town really early because I used to get a lift in. And then I'd go into Eason's and, you know, the RHS books, the yeah. the one that's kind of the plant ID one and then the other one that's all about growing everything. Well, I used to spend until the last minute, 10 o'clock, reading these books and easons, and they were about 30 pounds each at the time, and eventually I kind of saved up and bought them. And then I, I guess when I started kind of, um, you know, every time I would go to a garden, I'd clear a little patch and I'd have a plan for a bed, and then you'd go to a garden centre and you'd spend 100 pounds at the time and you wouldn't even see where it went. So I thought, now I have to start growing things from seeds, and, you know, packs of seeds were cheap. So seeds and cuttings. So it was a very kind of gradual, gradual thing. But I guess so. I did. I, I'm afraid now my garden. I, I just it's too hard to maintain, and it's very wild. And it's a case that some of the plants there, it's like survival of the fittest. But with the herbs, I always they became a special passion and a bit of an addiction, nearly because you know there's mint, and I, I would have had a lot of my original plant plants would have come from my grandmother's. Um, my mother's and my grandmother's garden and I even have some plants like that originally came from my great grandmother's garden and from, you know, great aunts and things like that. You know, where bits of cuttings would be yeah. passed down through the family. But uh, with the herbs it kind of so I would have had the one mint that I grew up with and then when I suddenly discovered oh, there's all these different types of mints, I was like, Okay, I want them all you know, so that was really how I kinda of, kinda of got into it and then I suppose when I started sowing from seed you always had two more plants than you needed, even though I had such a huge area. So um, I kind of thought at the time then my I had a, my daughter was young, and I kind of thought you know I wanted to start doing something from home, and uh, I started doing some of the local farmers markets, and it just grew up, I suppose as they say, organically. Yeah, um, you know, in that way, um, I ended up then doing the Temple Bar food market, and I used to do a lot of like cut herbs and herb plants but then I used to make a lot of things like herb related um, oils and vinegars and pestos you know I was making stuff like um, wild garlic pesto back in I think I joined that market it was very at the very start of it around 98 I think it was around 98 and uh, I was doing things like you know elderflower vinegar and um, elderberry preserve and all of these things that like nobody is really doing now is doing pestos out of if I had a, too much salad rocket I'd do a salad rocket pesto so I was just kind of inventing these things and um, it was there was interest but there wasn't enough there wasn't enough interest like now you know there were proper full on businesses doing that but yeah. I didn't really have the infrastructure to do that but then um, Was it interesting though that you, you were doing these things early and referencing back to your dad where he was growing purple sprouting broccoli way before it became sort of a trendy a trendy thing to grow like certainly yeah. at that stage did you say in the 70s and 80s it would have been very uncommon and kohlrabi i'd say people hadn't a clue what it was at that stage so i know 
yeah, I know. Do you know, I was so lucky, to be honest. Like, at the time, because we lived there until I was about 16, and then they actually moved out and bought their acre and over an acre in a rural area. And um, that was their dream, and then they had polytunnels and all the rest of it. But, um, you know, at the time, all, everyone, all the neighbours used to call us the good life. You know, there was that <laughs> radio programme on yeah. about the couple who were self-sufficient. And I used to be, like I say, the, the hens would escape onto the street. Now, we lived in a cul-de-sac, and I would be mortified when my mother <laughs> went to try and get the hens back in. And, you know, we grew up just with homemade cakes and homemade bread and all these things. Like, I, I never tasted a fish finger or chips until I would have been invited to a friend's house, you know, yeah. when I was maybe in second or third class and you were allowed to walk down, walk to, you know, a little bit further from, from home. So it was funny... And, and, you know, we we wanted shop cake, <laughs> you know, because it, it was just funny the way things that the way things come around full circle. I yeah, for sure. I realised how lucky I was, you know. That that gave us a good oversight as to how you got into gardening and how um, you sort of went down the herb route. But tell us a little bit about the herb garden as it is today, what it does as a business and so on. Okay. Well, I suppose initially my intent was to set up a specialist herb nursery because... There was nobody really in the country doing it. There was one guy called Rod Alston up in Leitrim, and he was growing a lot of herbs, but mainly just for the local and um, local restaurants and, and community. So um, that was initially what I started with. But you know, being a one-woman business and with a, a young daughter as well, it was very difficult. You're you're trying to grow and you're trying to deliver and you're trying to merchandise and you're trying to do all hundred other things. So I didn't, it wasn't very profitable. I mean, that's ultimately um, the plant end of it. So that's why I kind of had to diversify and I, I did all sorts of different things, like you say, including the Temple Bar market. I did, then I, I suppose I built up a bit of a reputation for myself. So then I got, I did start getting some herb garden design jobs and um, that was, that, that was quite good. And then um, I, I used to save my own seed uh, for myself and then I kind of thought okay I can maybe try selling some seed so I actually I got my first computer back in 97 it was one of those really old things you know like the old fashioned TVs and um, I set up a website it was on a thing called Microsoft front page and uh, that kind of that kind of got me started but um, now I literally just got my online seed shop live again yesterday I've been building myself a new website and um I just got the shop set up on, on Sunday night and then I was having a lot of problems with it and then at about five yesterday morning I woke up and I got this brainwave and I thought, oh, I'll try that and I turned on the computer and I tried it. So I loaded up my first, I have a few products up there. Um, I'm mainly, I'm, I'm not really in a position to sell individual seed varieties at the moment. It can just be very fiddly and, you know, if you get one order for one packet of seed and I charge three euro for it and you've got to, you know, drive to the post office, and it's probably costing you more than that in diesel to post it. So what I've just come up with, I've got, a, I've set up some seed collections. So I, I know this year of all years, a lot of people are maybe new to, to growing and gardening. So you know, I've set up some collections of culinary herbs, medicinal herbs, cottage garden, wildflowers, herbs that attract wildlife. So um, I literally just put them up uh, yesterday on the website, the, the herbgarden.ie. And as well, you know, the main reason I set up the website for years, I wasn't selling anything on it, but I set it up to give people advice because, you know, there's so much. I could probably talk about each plant for about a half an hour. And that's the truth of it. And you, you can't fit that kind of...
kind of information on the back of a seed packet. So I would have a lot of advice on there for people on growing herbs and then on cooking with herbs as well. No, that's great. And that's a nice idea where you're putting it into collections because as you say, uh, like individually, individually, I suppose a lot of people when they look in their, when we're talking about culinary herbs and, and they look in their, in their kitchen cupboard or whatever, they have, they, the majority of them probably have 10 to 15 different herbs. So selling them as a, as a sort of a package and grouping the most popular ones together is certainly a great idea. Yeah. So um, I suppose that kind of leads us on to, we, we said we were going to kind of split the chat into two because as you rightly said, herbs is a very complex and huge area. I have a book sitting on the floor on the floor in front of me just as we speak and it's a it's a herb book and there is about 400 pages in it and I'm sure that's not everything. Uh, so it's a very complex and vast range of of uh, plants. So we split it I suppose into culinary and medicinal and we just talk about the main ones because obviously for for a podcast we we can't get into into a huge yeah. depth but for somebody who wants to start out their own herb garden, and we're talking culinary now at this stage, what would your advice be, and where would they where would they start? And I suppose I like what you said there, where as you moved over the years, whether that was into a small house or an apartment, as you travelled around or in Australia or wherever it was, very quickly you were able to get a few herbs onto the balcony so that you could you could have them for your cooking. So. It's possible for anybody, whether they're balcony gardening or gardening on a larger scale, to have herbs. So maybe just where would somebody start? And we'll talk about some of the main varieties then within okay, that. Okay, well, um, you know, even if somebody only has a, a window box, um, I would always start with my... So let's say I might be... some. Of, it's, I'm, I can't really say my favourite herbs, okay, because they're all favourites <laughs> in various different ways. Yeah. But I would recommend rosemary, sage and thyme. And the main reason for that is because they are perennial and they are evergreen. So you have them available all year round. And there is so much you can do with them. I mean, literally just throwing a few sprigs of thyme into, you know, if you're roasting a chicken, a, a half a, a lemon cut in half and some thyme or... There, you know, I won't even start. If I start going into cooking now, we'll, we'll never be finished. So, but then, um, you know, there's, they are just so versatile. There's so much that you can do with them. Um, of course, it's really important for people to understand the difference between annual, biennial and perennial. And I, you may have covered that on some of your earlier um, podcasts because I'd often have people say to me, oh, I kill parsley, but they don't realise parsley is a biennial. So, you know, it only lasts two seasons and after the second season, it goes into, into seed and it, and it dies back. So, um they would be the first three I would recommend. And then um, after that, you would have, um, say, again, annuals are going to be the ones that are going to need more work because you're going to have to either, well, I mean, you can buy some of them now in the supermarkets, obviously, but generally speaking, if you want a reasonable supply, one little supermarket plant, you, you might get three cuts you know say if you buy a dill or coriander or whatever you might be lucky to get three or four cuts from it so i would um then go with say the likes of chives mint or tarragon so they are perennials now they die back in the winter but they will come back every year in the summer so um again you know you've got a plentiful supply of them in summertime and with all herbs 
obviously the more now if you've got only very tiny plants you can't go cutting them down to the base they won't survive but once you let the plants get established the way to cut them is trim them little and often you know so trim you trim the top of of the stems um generally speaking apart from maybe chives would be the exception where you would just cut them down about a centimeter or so from the base of the plant um so that would be the perennials um, generally speaking again the rosemary sage and thyme they are mediterranean origin plants so they do like a pretty the sunniest position you can give them and a, and a dry position and um, whereas the likes of chives and mint would they'll survive damper conditions and maybe some shade um, as well because um, they're, they're kind of softer lush leaved plants um, don't need quite as much sunshine so then of course like well parsley has to be one of the most universally used herbs so as i said there parsley is a biennial but it is still quite easy to grow and i mean even for people if they don't have the time or or want to sow their own from seed you can generally buy them in the supermarket now those supermarket plants are really you know a lot of people just just find that they can't keep them alive and the main reason for that is because there's so many seedlings all cramped into a small pot there's no room for the plant to grow on and to, there's no extra nutrients um so if you buy one of those plants ideally if you plant it out in the garden you're going to have a much better chance of it surviving that's just maybe a little tip there or even if you put it on into a bigger pot um, you could even divide it into, into maybe two or three. Some of the little small seedlings on the edge might um, might die off, but I always recommend, like with basil as well, that's probably one of uh, most people's favourite herb, it seems, the question I get asked most often. Over the years, I couldn't tell you how many thousands of times you know, people have said, how do you grow basil? How do you keep it alive? So that would be yeah, another, actually. I, I think it's the one that people struggle the most with is, is basil. Yeah, yeah. Um, basil, may, the main problem is that it's um, overwatering. Overwatering is one of the main reasons that that it dies back. But the, those supermarket ones are, you know, even on some of them, it'll say, pick the leaves as required. Now, if you just keep picking the leaf off the side of the stem, the plant is just going to go up into flower and seed because that's the aim of every plant is to reproduce and it's going to die back. So I tell you, now that I have the new website going, um, I am going to start writing some blog slash article soon and there are two I already have written and there one is on growing basil yourself from seed and caring for it and the other one is on buying a supermarket basil plant and how to keep it alive so if people want to keep an eye out on my website I'm hoping to get them up in the next um, in the next couple of weeks with my old website that was one of the first articles I put up as well and it's funny because over the years you know even years later people would refer back to it and then I'd get the odd comment saying oh that was an excellent article on Basel because you told us things that we didn't know and they make all the difference you know so um, so that would be Basel and then maybe the um, the other two annuals that I do really like to have would be dill and coriander uh, so again you would need to ideally to have enough supply grow them from seed you need to sow them in succession because again like i'm saying the you know the plant's aim is going to be to go into flower and produce seed so you will ideally with those basil and, and or sorry dill and coriander i would you'd ideally if you want a plentiful supply you'd sow them maybe about every six weeks throughout the season now you could either sow them directly into a large pot or other than that if you have space outside you know directly into into the ground and you, if you can let the first batch of plants um, go up into seed then you'll have your own seed to 
both for cooking, because a lot of people don't really associate most, uh, so many plants that are called herbs in the leaf stage, they're called spices in the seed stage, you know, so coriander is a perfect okay. example of that. So you can have your own coriander seeds then, you can have some of them for cooking and just save up as many as you need to grow on for the following year. So, you know, ideally, starting from one packet of seed, if you've got the time and put in the bit of effort, you know, obviously they have to be watered, they have to be looked after very carefully in the young, early seedling stage. That's the crucial stage. But, um, and of course, they have to be weeded if they're planted outside, kept a site kept weed-free. But technically, it would be possible for you to buy one coriander, packet of coriander seeds and have your own coriander for, for years to come. I, I used to often say to people, you know, I wouldn't be any good at selling insurance or whatever, but over the years, say, if I sold a chive plant to somebody for three euros years ago, a lot of people will still have that plant 20 years later. And think of all the mashed potatoes and scrambled eggs and all the rest of it, you know, <laughs> Great value, that you yeah. can do with that. So that's why I can, I, I can um, I, you know, I just find herbs are so beneficial and they make all the difference and, and you know, that they're well worth, um, yeah, they're well worth uh, taking the bit of time and effort. And, you know, a lot of people, maybe if they haven't, and I suppose now at the moment, a lot of people maybe who wouldn't have much time for cooking are starting to maybe cook a bit more. And um, maybe, maybe, People have never used fresh herbs and they've only ever used some of the little jars of dried herbs. And I just want to say there is absolutely no comparison between the two. So, you know, the simplest things like, say, again, a pot of chives, you know, if you're just making scrambled eggs or an omelette, just add in, fold in some chopped chives towards the end of the cooking, mashed potatoes, sprinkle in some chopped chives. It makes an incredible yeah. difference. So both to the Oh, yeah, and not only to the flavour of the food and the visual aspect of the food, but you're also getting the nutritional value as well because all of the herbs have so many uh, beneficial properties. Like most of them are absolutely full of vitamins and minerals and, and you know, beneficial trace elements and that. So, you know, the best that old saying of your food is your medicine, the best way to, um, you know, just get use, use plenty of them. They're also going to um, help you nutritionally yeah. as well. Um, we... You asked, had I covered in an earlier episode about um, perennial and annual and biennial and so on, and I actually hadn't. So maybe just before we before we, we kind of move on a little bit, um, you mentioned that the three must-haves were rosemary, sage and thyme. And actually, as you say that, they, they are the three that we would definitely use the most here in the kitchen. Um, and then after that you had chives and I, I found a list where you had recommended your, your 10 must-haves and that list um, was rosemary, sage and thyme and then there was chives, mint, tarragon, parsley, basil, dill and chevrel I think was the 10 yeah. which, is a, which is a pretty good list and comprehensive list of as you said the 10 must-have herbs but it's mad because 10 seems like a good few, but then that's leaving out oregano and coriander and fennel. Like there is so many culinary herbs to, to choose from. Um, but just to go back a second then, the rosemary, sage and thyme are, ever, are uh, perennial and they're also evergreen. So they can be used 12 months of the year and are super hardy apart from as you say they like a little bit of sun but they're they're they survive winters very yeah. well they survive in pots quite well and then the chives i suppose chives are brilliant because they will just if they get a good location they will just multiply 
and and spread so you'll end up with quite a few more than the original chive plant that you put in and as you say they're, they're super addition to scrambled eggs and omelettes yeah, and so on. Yeah and actually just to interrupt you there John you know when I started my first little herb garden here um, around the side of the house and you see I was such a novice gardener I didn't realise like it's kind of um, it's kind of northish facing you know so it wasn't ideal at all but um, I, I, you know what I started doing it's still it's actually fine though even right there now there's mint lemon balm sweet sicily chives and I have sage and fennel more to the sunnier side side edge of the bed and they're all doing perfectly. I made a little um, stepping stone semicircular herb gardens probably going back to imitate my childhood memories from the, the one that my mum and dad um, had in the garden but um, the, with the chives as they expanded what I used to do then I would you know each every maybe second year you can take up the clump and you can divide them up and I used so I used to use them as edging so maybe one of the beds that have chives as an edging and then maybe there'd be marigolds edging another one or you know so that's um, it's another nice thing to do with them as well yeah for sure and of the of the ten that that you've mentioned there um so they're they're suitable for people who are growing on a balcony or or in a big garden. There isn't you know, there's nothing there that's difficult to grow apart from basil is the one that, as you say, people can struggle with a little bit. But and you have a very as you said on your website, you have how to grow basil, whether that's the, the shop bought one or, or grown from seed. Um or they're going to be on your website yeah, yeah, soon, I'm is it? Up, yeah. I'll be putting them up okay, perfect. So that's pretty much a, a a list of 10 uh, culinary herbs but um, obviously that's just a huge amount of information there and as you rightly said you could talk for for hours and hours on end on herbs because there's so many of them number one and then there's so many different uses and functions culinary and medicinal so it's it's usually but if, if you had to give just a tip for somebody starting out um, what would that tip be for someone maybe who wants to start growing herbs yeah exactly yeah. okay i would say um if you if you've never grown anything from seed i would always recommend people to just try growing some salad rocket nearly everyone loves salad rocket i personally think it's tastier than a lot of the lettuces that you can get and it's so easy to grow and even if particularly if you want to get children interested in growing because um I think you can, it can, you can be easily disheartened um, if you try to sow some seeds and they don't germinate. And oftentimes it may not be your fault, but sometimes it's just if you don't have the experience, you might be just keeping the compost too wet or you might be letting it get too dry. Whereas salad rocket is just so easy and it germinates really quickly. And it's just, I think once you try with one variety, that will just give you the encouragement to, to continue yeah, on. Yeah, builds your confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Yes, that's a, that's a great tip. So start with with salad rocket as as a as a, a starting herb and and build the confidence from there. Yeah. So that that's been super. We we've we've covered off culinary and obviously there, as we, as we said, there's oceans of other information. So maybe you might just tell us Denise where people can find you. Where where's the best places to look you up? I know you're on a lot of the social channels and you have a good web, website. So if you could direct people to those. Yeah, sure. Well, my website is easy enough to remember. It's theherbgarden.ie, and um, probably if you Google Denise Dunn and herbs, I I should I should show up on the front page. I think. You do. But um, <laughs> then uh, I I do have links to all my social media channels on the 
on the um, website. Now, if anyone is interested, like obviously I've had to cancel. I had so many plans this year for foraging walks is a big thing I do and workshops and wild food dinners and, and all of that kind of thing. And of course, everything is on hold. But if anyone is interested in subscribing to my newsletter, they can um, they can sign up there. I don't bamboozle people with news with emails, like only really if I've got some news. Like I think I've only sent out one this year. But now I have my online shop up and running so I will be sending out a, a newsletter shortly um, then I'm on the usual Instagram and Facebook, I've got a, a Herb Garden page, uh, the Herb Garden on Facebook and I'm on uh, the Herb Garden Ireland on Instagram Excellent, and um, all those talks and, and, and walks that, that unfortunately at the moment are postponed they will all be hopefully kicking kicking off again whether later this year or into next year So, if pe- certainly I am as soon as it is safe I will and you know and I may um, start maybe just doing some online tutorials and and things like that now I have a, a friend who wants me to do a live um, a live Instagram little um, chat on, on some of the wild herbs and stuff so you know we're I suppose we're all having to adapt that's really, it yeah um, but the good the good thing is I suppose if people if people keep an eye out on your your website and your social channels you you'll update as you go along and as 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 the the full the full courses roll back out they'll be able to see that there so yeah absolutely either the newsletters but certainly i any any news i have i usually will get it out there on instagram and, and facebook so denise um it's been a brilliant chat as, as i said we could we could go into so much more depth um and maybe maybe there's other areas that we might get back into in the future but um there was really interesting tips there uh the two areas the the, the two different sections the culinary and the medicinal are, are, are hugely interesting and and hugely complex but you did a great job of explaining it and a huge thank you for coming on this week's podcast well thank you very much john and um, i'm delighted now that we've got to know each other and hopefully we can meet in person in the not too distant future yeah that would be great thanks again denise thank you john bye so that's been this week's episode. A huge thanks to Denise for coming on and talking to us about culinary herbs and really looking forward to next week's chat on medicinal herbs. It's, um, as I say, herbs, is it's a huge area. There's lots of different varieties and so on, but she gave us a very, very good overview of the culinary herbs there and named, I suppose, the sort of top 10 or so go-to herbs for somebody to get started. And if you if you can start with those, they're definitely the ones that people use most in the kitchen, I would say. But from there, then you can add on so many others and you could literally be adding varieties for the rest of your gardening days. There's that many available. So as I say, a huge thank you to Denise for coming on and really looking forward to next week's episode on medicinal herbs. If you're enjoying the podcast, please share it with all your gardening friends. Uh, If you would like me to cover a topic in any episode, please let me know. You can get in touch through the website, which is www.mastermygarden.com. Or Facebook, John Jones at Master My Garden, or Instagram at Master My Garden. So that's been this week's episode. Thanks for listening, and until the next time, happy gardening. Mm-hmm.